Time now for Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. All right, here we go with Scoops with Danny Mac, and we start with hockey. By the way, the captain of the St. Louis Blues will be on Ribs and BK, and that is coming up at 1.30. Alex Petrangelo will be on at 1.30. He will join uh, Ribs and BK. Just talk to Jamie Rivers, and he will join them at 1.30. He was on a Zoom yesterday, and he was speaking as a Golden Knight. As his official uh, contract has been announced, and... He was asked about uh, a number of different things and disappointed he could not get a deal done here in St. Louis. I don't know if frustration is the right word. I mean, look, Army's going to say the same thing. We tried and we tried and we tried, and sometimes, you know, things just don't work out. So I wouldn't necessarily say frustration. I think both sides are disappointed. But as I, you know, talked to teams and flew out to Vegas, and yeah, you know, you get excited about that, you know, opportunity and you get excited about, you know, trying to fit into a new group and, and a new challenge of, you know, fitting into a new system and new coaches and, and all that. So, you know, I'm excited for that. Again, it's Janie and I are getting completely outside of our comfort zone with, uh, with what we have in our life right now. So I think uh, I think it's a challenge that we're going to, you know, kind of welcome with open arms. So he was asked about that specifically, the, the part about the new challenge and uh, what about wanting a new challenge and that was kind of surfacing yesterday we talked about it on the show but what about the the idea of communicating to everyone of wanting a new challenge and signing that new deal well i think it was taken out of context a little bit to be honest with you uh, like i said to you before uh, the goal is always to get something done in st louis I, I don't think my mind ever really flipped to that point until we tried and tried and tried with St. Louis and it didn't look like something was going to get done. Look, my kids are here. They're in school here. My wife's from here. I don't know anything different. So we pushed and pushed. You know, sometimes things just don't work out the way you expect it to be. So I think that was taken out of context a little bit. You know, I, I welcome the challenge. I welcome something new. I, I think it's going to push me to become a better player. I think it's going to, you know, hopefully... Uh, get me outside my comfort zone to, to certainly try something that, uh, you know, that I've never done before. So this is a good team and, you know, I think I can, I can really help. I think I can really help field too. So I, I love the challenge of, you know, helping, you know, young players and, and young guys. And there's a lot of guys in this team, um, you know, that play at an elite level. And I think I can fit in well. So one thirty. Uh, my understanding is anything is, you know, open for discussion with Petro. So you'll hear that uh, interview with Alex Petrangelo. That's at one uh, thirty. Ribs and BK coming up on 101 ESPN. Looking forward to that. He signs for seven years, $61.61 million. Uh, Major League Baseball postseason yesterday. Clayton Kershaw scratched for back spasms, so he couldn't go. And it looked like the Dodgers were just dead in that game yesterday. Atlanta's hitting the ball all over the place. They jump out to a big lead. Looks like they're going to cruise. And then all of a sudden, uh uh-uh. Cody Bellinger, he's starting to pick things up, and he's coming alive. And the 0-1. Swing and a ball hammered right field. That one takes a hop and bangs off the wall. Racing towards third is Will Smith. Smith coming to the plate, and he's in. Bellinger into third. It's an RBI triple, and the Dodgers are within one. So the Dodgers within one, and then Mark Melanson had to close things out for Atlanta. 
Hard hit, third baseman. Makes a play, and that's Austin Riley to end the night. What a game, what a finish. And Riley, the sure-handed third baseman, who made a great defensive stop in the first, makes a sure-handed play in the ninth. And in a four-hour, 12-minute game, the Atlanta Braves hang on to win this one 8-7. to seven. So the Atlanta Braves, they are up 2-0 on the Dodgers. Did not see that coming. I thought the, uh, the Braves would be at least 1-1 or maybe down 0-2 but here they are and now they've got they do have to face Clayton Kershaw it's neutral side so we'll see what happens Dan I was guilty I turned that game off I, I had it completely off I was I turned on the the ALCS I was watching the Rays and I see the update come in and it was 8-7 to final they actually went to like an in-game update and it was Pollock up with down one with a runner on third to go oh my gosh are they about to win you know i typed a bunch of stuff out in the rundown and ready to send it in and all of a sudden i see the grounder and go oh thank god the dodgers lost but i missed it i missed it completely looked like they were left for dead too i mean they, just, they had nothing going no offense you know kershaw's down I, sometimes when you lose a big guy like that like clayton kershaw you're thinking okay there's our big horse. You know, it's a great story. If we can win with him, finally get him over the hump, get him that ring, get him to the World Series again. And he's got back spasms. And, oh, man, this is it. And it just didn't happen. Um, yeah, frustrating. Frustrating to say the least. But uh, they're down 0-2. We'll see if they can come back. Now, the Rays, they're the story of baseball we talked about on the crossover. Randy Rosarena has just been on fire. He is the story of the game right now. And Tampa Bay is rolling. They're up three games to none. Castillo ready for an 0-2 pitch. In the air, left center field. Playable. Margo has got it. And that's it. The ball game is over. The Tampa Bay Rays, they win it 5-2 and a 3-0 series lead in this American League Championship Series. So they wind up going three games to none up on uh, a team that all of a sudden is throwing the ball all over the place. Jose Altuve. So I was going to ask you this, Dan. So I was watching the broadcast yesterday. The broadcasters did not use the term yips. They said, do you think he has that one thing? They must be golfers. There you go. <laughs> I was I, I was dying to ask you that question this morning because I just didn't understand why they said what they does he have that one thing? Yeah, they wouldn't say it. They don't like to say yips. I don't like to say yips. If you're a golfer, you don't like to say. <laughs> they had that one thing. Yeah, it's kind of like if you if you play golf, you don't like to use it. Just got I, I don't like to say that word. It. I don't. I don't. I hate saying that word. Hate it. Um. But yeah. he's got him. Well, apparently something's going on there. I mean, and it's cost them a couple games. And yesterday, trying to turn a double play through it into left field led to a big inning. And um, and Houston's in a, a big hole. They're down 0-3. And that could be it. Uh, that could be it. Down 0-3. I'm not sure they come back. I mean, the guy's a fabulous player. He's the franchise. One of the faces of their franchise. But right now... He's costing them defensively, and he's a very, very good player. So we'll talk a little bit about that with Brian Walton coming up. Brian Walton of the Cardinal Nation. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Always great to catch up with Brian Walton on a Wednesday, and away we go. Lots to cover in the world of baseball. Brian is always from thecardinalnation.com, and we do this every Wednesday. Brian, how are things going? 
I'm doing great, Dan. I wish I was still watching the Cardinals play, but uh, we got some exciting baseball going on in the championship series. What have you thought about the playoffs so far and how this format has shook out in neutral sites and the way that it's uh, moved forward? Well, I think there was a lot of concern, uh, you know, about the format and, and all, but it's actually worked out pretty well, I think. Now, granted, the teams haven't had to travel, and that's enabled them to play games back-to-back-to-back, uh, to back to back, but it's, you know, it's nice, efficient baseball for the fan, fans as well. Um, you know, it was a little challenge early on, as we talked about last time, you know, all those games at once. But, you know, I, it's, I think it's working out pretty well. And there's no doubt that the owners are going to like the additional revenue from the extra round. And while they may not have 16 teams next year, I think they're going to definitely bring it to the players to uh, suggest some type of, of continued expanded playoffs in the future. I don't think there's any doubt we're going to look at expanded playoffs. I also like the idea that we are watching games during the day. And you and I are old enough to actually remember World Series games that were done during the day. And kids could actually watch the games. You know, the Atlanta Dodger game was four hours and 15 minutes. And again, I'm not going to complain complain about the length of the game. You could have four hours and 15 minutes. It's just if it starts at 7 or 8 o'clock, there's just not going to be a lot of people that have the chance to watch the end of it. And it was a good ending to that game. You know, it's funny. I, I used to have a my TV was picture on picture so I could watch two games at once. But the one I have right now doesn't have that. And I was actually when it was seven to nothing, I was, I you know, really thinking about, well, should I flip over to watch the, the Rays and Astros? And I, I stayed with the game. And I'm glad I did, because, of course, the Dodgers had a furious comeback and, and almost won the game. But, you know, it's it's you're right. It's it's great that they've got the games you know spread out enough that folks uh, you know can actually see them. I just wonder if and I loved how the, this whole thing started. If you love baseball and you had all these different teams, and it was kind of like the the college, you know, college basketball, and that that feeling of that Thursday and that Friday going into the NCAA tournament. I wonder if they've gotten so much positive feedback, and the revenue comes in. If this is something, Brian, as you touched upon earlier, if they say, "Look, we're going to do it. We're doing this going forward." I, I wonder if that feedback has been there enough to say, "Going forward, we're going to do this." Well, and another thing that they've been able to do, they because, even though they put in this extra round of the playoffs, they've been able to keep it within the same time window. And the reason for that is because they played the game in neutral sites. They haven't had to have a tra- two travel days in the middle of every series. So they're able to play, you know, back-to-back-to-back games. And that means much more efficient scheduling that allows them to, you know, avoid hopefully playing baseball, you know, in November. And the other thing is, you're going to see the World Series, obviously the ALCS, the NLCS on a neutral site. I, I wonder, and I've, I've wondered this even before uh, COVID-19 hit, if baseball would ever entertain what the Super Bowl has become, which is a neutral site and a celebration of the game for that week for your sponsors, your fans. Again, I, I understand you're taking away home field. I understand those home, the the hometown fans don't have a chance to maybe experience going down to Bush Stadium or Yankee Stadium if it's there or wherever. But I wonder if that's something that baseball will look to to uh, say, hey, this is a great chance to make a ton of money, but it's also something that allows us to eliminate travel days and it also allows us to put it in a warm weather climate. I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head, Dan. The question is going to be money. Let's face it. You know, 2020 was a disaster for Major League Baseball financially. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that any teams are going broke or anything like that. But, you know, they will definitely, you would think, look for ways creatively to raise some more money. And so, you know, that's certainly something that could be done. I think while we've seen football do it, you know, for a long, long time, uh, for example, the NBA, uh, NHL, you know, they've still continued to reward home fans with being able to see those games. And I, I, it would be hard traditionally for me to embrace, but, 
you know, the bills have to get paid. And ultimately, the, we don't get a vote as fans or as media people. Uh, you know, ultimately, it'll be between the players and the owners. And if the uh, the owners share enough money with that players, you know, you could see it happen. Brian Walton, the CardinalNation.com, my guest. Now, you have written a lot about the roster moving forward of the St. Louis Cardinals. You put out a piece this morning about that. Uh, tell me what you, you kind of dove into and what you're finding out about the roster of the Cardinals. I came into the story looking at it from the context of free agents to be Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. Because if you look at the last couple of years, you know, Adam Wainwright has gone to free agency. And the reason he's had to do that is that baseball rules are such that uh, until you reach free agency, you're restricted on the amount of salary you have in your next contract to 80% of your previous deal. And if you actually hit free agency, then all bets are off and you can negotiate a contract any way you want it. And as we've seen the last couple of years with Wainwright, he's had a relatively low base and a high amount of incentives that enable him, if he's healthy and productive, to, to still make a good salary. And this is probably a strategy that they'll try with Yadier Molina as well. And But the Cardinals didn't want to send the signal or to you know allow these allow Wainwright to talk with a lot of other teams and, you know, start thinking about leaving. So they signed him very, very quickly after the, the deadline and the free agent deadline, uh, players become free agents right after the world series. But the first five days uh, they are, have to n- negotiate exclusively with their current team. Then five days after the world series, everybody's free to talk to anybody. The problem the Cardinals have this year because of COVID. And of course, you know, we saw it, Dan, the number of players that had to be added to the 40 man roster just to play baseball every day meant the Cardinals had to move a bunch of guys ahead, you know, the Oviedo's that, you know, they had to move them ahead onto the roster before they normally would have in, in a regular season. And while the Cardinals could get around that by putting injured players on the long-term disabled list, the 60 day and a regular year, 45 day uh, injured list, when this when the World Series ends, another thing happens, and that is all those injured players have to come back onto the 40-man roster. So here I'm talking about, you know, Michaelis and Hicks and Brebby and all those guys, they all have to come back onto the roster. So basically, even and even when the free agents go off, to, to make a long story short, there's going to be this roster traffic jam where the Cardinals can't fit everybody onto the 40 spots they have, even before looking at adding Wainwright and Molina back. So, and I, and I lay it out in my article, you know, on the, on the various time uh, windows that occur because uh, not too many weeks from now, the teams also have to protect players from the rule five draft. That's going to happen as part of the virtual winter meeting. So again, another pressure on the roster. Uh, what's what I'm going to post up tomorrow is how I think the Cardinals might be, be able to relieve that pressure. Um, one way a year ago that the Cardinals relieved pressure on their roster which is something fans don't really think about, is the, is the um, trade that with Tampa Bay that sent Jose Martinez and Randy Rosarena to Tampa for Libertor and, 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 and a, a catcher. Most folks look at that and say, well, the Cardinals had a glut of outfielders and they wanted to move two of them, which is true. But what they also did in that trade was free up two 40-man roster spots because Jose Martinez and Randy Rosarena were on the 40-man, and Libertor and the catcher, Edgardo Rodriguez, are still inexperienced enough. They didn't have to come onto the roster. So at that time, last year, the Cardinals had eight guys. This time last year, the Cardinals had one-fifth of their 40-man rosters just tied up in outfielders. And so they made a trade not only to trade major leaguers for future guys, but they also freed up roster space at the same time, short of having to release a guy or, you know, put him on waivers and and risk losing him and getting nothing in return. So long-winded way of saying the Cardinals have some roster issues. They might look at some creative trades like that Jose Martinez or Rosarena trade 
to help them free up some roster space so they can sign guys like Wainwright and Molina. In terms of Colton Wong, you wrote about that this past week. Cardinals have an option on him. What do you think they do? I think uh, there, there are folks who, who actually think that the Cardinals would buy out his option for next year. Wong has a, an option for uh, next season for $12.5 million and a, a $1 million buyout. And what that means is if the Cardinals didn't want to pay the $12.5 million, they could just pay Colton Wong a $1 million to leave. And he becomes a free agent and he signs wherever he wants. And some folks think, well, you know, hey, the Cardinals could pay the, you know, pay the, pay the um, $1 million and just re-sign him at a lower rate. Well, that's really nice, but a, a caliber of a player of Colton Wong in the prime of his career, the best defensive player at his position in the game, you know, he's not going to sign for one year at, at 10 or $12 million. So what the Cardinals, I think, need to do, if they're trying to save money for next year, is talk to him about a longer-term extension where the money is more back-end loaded and they can potentially cut his salary next year down from $12.5 million to 6 or $8 million and use that extra money to go try to sign the, the power bat that they need for the middle of the lineup. What about external options in the outfield? There seems like there's going to be a lot of teams that have what the Cardinals are dealing with, with the roster situation. So there could be some options out there if they're looking to add, and they're going to have to get creative because there's going to be payroll restrictions. What do you think about some external uh, options in the outfield for the Cardinals? Well, it's interesting. You know, the Cardinals have been very, very consistent from John Mosellock on down that said, hey, you know, we've got to – we've got to let our young guys play. We've got to give them a chance. And we asked him that literally right after the, the trade deadline on August 31st. And he said the same thing. Hey, you know, we're, we're going to keep playing our guys. We're going to hope somebody gets hot the last month. But then he said, and I'm going to read the quote exactly. What you're going to see is trying to find someone to get hot and to do that. But from an evaluation standpoint, I think we are in a unique situation. So my hope that guys are still going to get opportunities out there to see what we have. So then we can have a true strategy and one that we can choose this off season if we feel like we have to go external to answer what we need to look like. So basically what those words said, what John Mazalock told us was, hey, if, we, if our internal guys can't get the job done, we may have to go externally to get outfield help. And I think most fans listening to this know that that's the case. And, you know, we're watching the, watching the championship series and you see guys like Springer and, and Brantley in the Houston outfield that are going to be free agents. And you say, yeah, you know, they got to go try to get somebody like that to help them. We uh, always turn to you for a lot of the minor league news. And Memphis Redbirds, at least their owner, is involved with the major leagues and trying to have a little transition into minor league baseball. And what you know what that may look like going forward is is the major leagues and the minor leagues are trying to look at what twenty twenty one and twenty two and so on and so forth looks like going forward. Yeah, it's it's a story that of course we followed all year long, and and it's still developing. Uh, to use a term from our late friend Joe Joe Strauss. Um, at the end of September, the agreement between Major League Baseball and Minor League Baseball expired, and there is no new agreement. So Minor League Baseball, as we know it, no longer exists. Minor League Baseball as an entity, a separate bargaining entity representing the 160 minor league teams. So Major League Baseball has said there isn't going to be a Minor League Baseball anymore. We're going to fold this into Major League Baseball. We, Major League Baseball, are going to run the minor leagues. We're going to figure out a new model for what agreements between Major League, the Major League Baseball organizations and the independent minor league team owners will look like, how long these agreements will run, how expenses and revenues will be shared. We, Major League Baseball, are going to do a lot more marketing things and things to help you, the minor league owners, make more money. But they've also got to work on facility upgrades and, you know, 
and the valuation of some of these franchises that are going to get tanked if the, if the teams get contracted. So there's a lot of work to be done. And the minor league baseball teams were sort of, uh, they weren't a, a, a single cohesive unit because the full season teams knew, Hey, you know, most of us, we're going to stay on. Whereas the short season teams are like, Hey, you know, we're fighting for our future. We're fighting for our lives. So now that's kind of passed and we kind of know, we don't know exactly, but we kind of know how the minor leagues are going to look, you know, next year, two levels are going to go away and it'll be a 120 team um, group. So what they've done is they've major league baseball has, has hired uh, Peter friend and his organization. He has, he owns uh, three different minor league teams, including the Memphis Redbirds. And he's put Peter in charge of leading this assimilation efforts of minor league baseball into major league baseball. And it's a, it's a very good choice. Uh, Peter friend is a, is an experienced businessman and uh, he, he took over uh, the Redbirds, Memphis Redbirds from the, the Cardinals, I think prior to 2016. So a uh, lot years of experience in baseball and uh, he, you know, he's going to help, help guide this um, this transition. And I think it was an inspired choice by Major League Baseball. They didn't take a, a bureaucrat from New York. They took a guy who's a real owner who has, you know, understands the issues from the other side of the table. And he seems to have a lot of trust among the other owners. So, you know, this is probably, a, this looks like a, a positive step for Major League Baseball as they try to get through this a difficult transition period for for minor league ball. Brian, I'll wrap it up with this. You're always working on different things, minor league and major league baseball. <laughs> What's happening at thecardinalnation.com? Well, we talked about a number of the uh, uh, the articles that have been posted. I have an article up about the homegrown nature of the Cardinals, the construction of the roster, and how it looks very much like the Houston Astros and the Los Angeles Dodgers in terms of of the amount of dependence on players that were developed from within the organization. So that's an interesting read. Uh, what will go up tomorrow is an article I'm just putting the finishing touches on, which is back to this 40-man roster challenge that we talked about with Wainwright and, and uh, Molina in terms of, you know, who's on the roster now that they might be able to move, who they might be have to expose to waivers uh, to, to see how the Cardinals can kind of get through this difficult period of, of managing the roster. So uh, continuing to have new content, uh, more recently, I'm, I'm focused more on sort of uh, analysis pieces because there's no Cardinals baseball going on, but we'll soon uh, be into our prospect rankings for next year starting uh, in, in November. Great stuff, Brian. Thanks for doing this as always. Take care, Dan. Brian Walden. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. It's Scoops with Danny Mac, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Ribs and BK will have Alex Petrangelo coming up at 1.30 live on the show, and he gave his reaction yesterday on a Zoom call to the Blues signing of Tory Krug. I mean, I was a little surprised. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't really following everything during the day I was putting my kids to bed I, I did my best to just kind of shut everything off and worry about us because you know try and take away the outside noise and everyone's asking what's going on and, and what the plan is and you know Army saw an opportunity to get a, an elite player and he did that so you know um, I guess I, I guess I was surprised I just wasn't really paying attention either I didn't really know what was going on throughout the day I tried not to pay attention it's just way I can make the best decision possible so um, I never really counted the Blues out until I put pen on paper. What was it yesterday? So I, I went into this thing with an open mind, not really knowing what to expect. And I think this year was a little bit different, you know, obviously because of 
you know, what's happened with the cap and the pandemic and, and you know, every team's operating differently right now. So, I mean, honestly, I didn't know what to expect, but kind of went into this thing with an open mind, knowing that, yeah, there is a very good chance that I end up back in St. Louis. That, that was our mindset the whole time. He's coming up at 1.30 and he was also asked yesterday, has it sunk in that he's leaving now the Gateway City? Has this, you know, I don't know if it's really sunk in. Maybe when we move it will, when we're trying to pack up four kids. That's never an easy thing to do. So maybe it'll sink in then. Um, you know, we still have a house here. I mean, I'm going to be here, you know, probably come back in the summers and skate with these guys. And, you know, I'm around the city and, you know, I'm all friends with them. They understand. And I've talked to them and I'm looking forward to catching up with them. I haven't seen them since, uh, you know, last week. So, you know, we'll probably get out and play some golf together. And, you know, when you develop relationships, uh, you know, and going through what we went through last year, you become friends for, you know, for life. So it would, uh, the good part about Vegas for us too is, which is part of the decision was it's easy to get on a flight and get back to St. Louis if my wife wants to come home and see her family too. So um, that's really played a part in it, um, having that access for us. Ribs and BK has the captain, the former captain of the Blues, coming up live at uh, 1.30. Randy and Michelle this morning had a really interesting interview. Kevin Eibach, senior director, pro player, uh, pro personnel, and pro scouting for the Tampa Bay Rays, pulled off the deal to get Randy a Rosarena. And a hot topic here in St. Louis, Cardinals get Matthew Libertor. We haven't seen him in St. Louis just yet. Randy Rosarena is the hottest hitter in the uh, in baseball right now. And the one question that Michelle asked uh, one of them to Kevin Eibach, and it was a really good interview, was about Matthew Libitor. What kind of pitcher are the Cardinals getting back in Matthew Libitor? Sure. Libby's a, Libby's a great kid, number one, and I think that's one thing that gets lost in the evaluation process is, is attitude and aptitude. And for a high school kid, a lot of times you don't know what you're getting. Um, you know, a lot of these young men are, have never been away from home before. Um, so certainly he's got a really good head on his shoulders. And in my time here, he was one of the hardest prospects to give up in a trade. Um, you know, left-handed pitcher with a plus fastball, could spin a breaking ball. The feel for the changeup came along a lot last year. So he's going to have three-plus pitches at the major league level. Um, you know, it's just a matter of getting innings under his belt. And we typically develop, develop players at a slower rate and let them touch each level of the minor leagues coming up but um, Libby's got size arm strength and then certainly everything working from the neck up that's going to allow him to be a be a really good pitcher for quite some time and I think that you know with all with all due respect to Randy and all the you know all the excitement surrounding him right now I, I don't want it to get lost certainly in St. Louis or anywhere else in baseball that that Matt Libertor is a really really nice prospect that should be a long-term asset and then fans would be happy to happy to be called part of their club now the the thing that I was pointing out on the crossover innings under his belt and that's my concern right now coming back for the cardinals lost minor league season that is of concern for any minor league player position player but certainly pitchers got to get innings and the cardinals and any of these pitchers they don't have innings under their uh, under their belt that's just lost this year that is of concern for me now on the flip side did anybody see randy arena doing what he's doing this season in 2020 well, I think what he's doing here in the postseason, I don't think anybody's smart enough to, you know, any baseball player, regardless of his upside, to be uh, on a hot streak like he is right now. But certainly we like the tools. It's a guy that's got well above average speed, a well above average arm, um, and a guy that's always hit the ball hard, even in the minor leagues. And, you know, we've had scouts, a couple of guys on my 
on my group here went down to Mexico and saw him play in the uh, Mexican Winter League down there as well as you know several stops along the way in Springfield and and certainly Memphis so we've had our eyes on him for a while and we knew the tools were there it's just a matter like like every player you know walking them through the maturation process helping those tools become reality and you know fortunately we put a lot of stock in our player development program over here and once they got their hands on him and helped him kind of polish out some of the rough spots and, and accentuate a lot of the positives that we see that we've seen over the years let the deal play out right now tampa bay hey the guy's the hottest player in the planet there is no questioning that but let's see what happens with randy rosarena it's if you're a cardinal fan yeah this one You'd love to see the offense. You'd love to see it come from an outfielder. You haven't seen anything out of Matthew Libator, but let it play out. And that's from a baseball perspective in a front office, how they let these things work. Let it play out. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Ribs, BK, Alex coming up. It's the crossover on 101 ESPN 1052. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers at 1.30. The captain, uh, former captain of the Blues, Alex Petrangelo, will be the guest. And uh, looking forward to that, Alex. We understand that kind of it's an open conversation like yep. anything's on the table so looking forward to, to hearing that conversation with uh, with Alex yeah and I expected that from Petro I mean look this guy's always been a straight shooter when it comes to his time in St. Louis always willing to talk with the media and answer questions good or bad and I expected to have a really interesting conversation with him with Ribs and BK today uh, talking about everything that's gone on you know from the conversations that were behind closed doors to what took place and how it happened with Tory Krug signing and then him finding out and honestly I'm interested to see what Vegas did for him when he was on that trip because look it's Vegas you go there they're going to lay out the cliche red carpets for you I mean they sent a private jet for him um, so in, and honestly, the reports where he was sold the moment he got into Vegas on the place. So it's going to be interesting to hear what Petro has to say about that as well. What'd you take away from his zoom press conference, if you will, um, just any of the comments that he made yesterday or even to, to some of the media members, you know, honestly, honestly, I think that's what it was, Dan. I mean, he was straightforward about, you know, there were tweets that were out there talking about how, you know, he kind of wrote off the St. Louis blues and was ready for a new challenge, but he was straightforward about it. He said, look, up until the moment that I found out that Tory Krug had signed in St. Louis, my hope was to return to St. Louis. And it's not just Petro that said that. Scotty Upshaw has put it out there. A lot, Carlo Koliakovo, who are very close to the situations, they've said that Petro has wanted to be back in St. Louis all the way up until the reports where the Tory Krug signed. Now, the other part that I found really interesting that Petro was talking about with the media was him discussing about what Vegas was all about. I mean, let's be honest here, Dan. When you're a free agent, especially in this pandemic, you hope that a contender can give you a contract, right? Because most of the time, contenders, they don't have a lot of cap space to go about with. Look at Tampa Bay, for example. They're getting rid of guys. So for Petro, you know, him talking about how when he got to Vegas, he was sold. And then when they showed him around and when he saw what the team was all about, he was excited to take on a new challenge. And I think that's truthful. I think he is excited to do a new challenge. You know, you've accomplished a goal. Riv said something yesterday that I think is 110% true. If Petro doesn't win a Stanley Cup two years ago here, I truly believe there's more of a want to be back here in St. Louis. Not saying he didn't want to be here in St. Louis, but it was a goal that was accomplished. And now you set goals for yourself. Chris Pronger did the same thing. When he wasn't back in St. Louis, he set goals for himself. So Petro talking about the goals that he set for himself in Vegas was interesting as well. 
Final question: Are we are we missing anything with this? Uh, you know why this did or did not get done? I'm sure we're missing something because we aren't behind those closed doors, right? Like you know, you're not in the room that Doug Armstrong and Alex Petrangelo's agent were in. You know, we're, we've seen reports out there of saying, "Oh, well, Petro really wanted to be back here," or Petro was uh, blown away by what Vegas had to offer him. I'm sure there was something missing here. I'm sure you go back to the Stanley Cup championship and the negotiations at that time. There's something we don't know about this between Doug Armstrong and Alex Petrangelo's side. But from that perspective, I think you get to this point now where you see Petro has landed somewhere great. And we talked about it yesterday. The memories that you're going to have of number 27 here in St. Louis, those aren't going to go away. You've hit the point now where all you can do is move forward with this. You can't sit here and and think, what if, right? Like, man, why why didn't you get Petro? Or some people are saying, good, not getting Petro. Well, we're excited to see Tori Krug. Um, I think today is going to be that moment where you can kind of have that um, the closure that you need with this. But again, Dan, we, we're never behind those closed doors. You're going to hear rumors from now until the end of Alex Petrangelo's career of what happened in St. Louis. But I think from our perspective, there's always something that's missing. And hopefully we'll get some of those answers today from Petro. Rivs, BK, Alex, coming up. Scotty, great job. And uh, the former captain of the Blues at 1.30 here on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.